0: You are listening to a Mint Production, brought to you by HT Smartcast. Hi, I'm Satya Sontanam from Mint's Personal Finance team. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money. For this episode, we invited Kalpain Parik, Managing Director and CEO of DSP Mutual Fund, to share his own personal finance journey. He considers himself a conservative investor and invests almost a quarter of his portfolio in hybrid funds. The dynamic asset allocation fund he invested in helped him increase his equity allocation when markets corrected in 2020. It is only in the hindsight we realise that 2020 market correction was once-in-a-decade opportunity to invest in the stock market. Kalpain said that if not for the rules-based dynamic asset allocation fund, he wouldn't have had the courage to increase his equity allocation in 2020. Let's hear from him directly. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started with your money journey. I want to start with asking about the asset allocation. I follow you on Twitter and more than anything you talk about asset allocation.
1: So uh, my uh, asset allocation uh, is uh, around uh, for 39% in equity funds, 24% is in hybrid funds, around 20% is in debt funds and uh, around 17% is in global funds. That's the way my current asset allocation stands and uh, uh, in terms of an example of uh, you know the value of this, See, I'm a fairly conservative investor, and for me, uh, not losing uh, capital permanently uh, is a first priority uh, before uh, earning the highest returns. And uh, uh, generally, I uh, don't tweak portfolios too often. I do it once in three, four years, only when there are some extreme points in the market, either we see very sharp corrections and valuations become very attractive or there are very sharp up moves and valuations become very uh, uh, aggressive. Only in those points uh, do I make uh, any tweaks otherwise I avoid. Now uh, in the last uh, uh, 18 months or so uh, or particularly last last one year we've seen uh, significant uh, shifts in asset classes. So you know interest rates uh, rose from uh, roughly three and a half percent in India. Money market rates from three and a half percent all the way to seven and a half. It's almost doubled. Uh, uh, also, we've seen uh, in the first uh, half of the year uh, global stocks are correcting a lot, and Indian stocks doing very well. And in the second half of the year, Indian stocks, um, uh, you know, drifted downwards by eight to ten percent, and global stocks actually were stable or were rising. So uh, if a portfolio has um, a reasonable mix of very thoughtfully put together uh, asset classes or underlying funds, then it just cushions the fluctuation and volatility and it reduces the anxiety for me to keep uh, watching my portfolio or keep getting worried that, you know, some large part of my portfolio is going through a price correction and hence Let Me Act. My whole idea is that once the portfolio is built. I don't want to, you know, look at it. I want to be a permanent long-term investor and um, achieve compounding. And uh, the biggest enemy of compounding is uh, volatility. Every time something in the portfolio turns very volatile, we uh, tend to uh, act. We think that we can act and, you know, reduce that volatility, which is not uh, uh, likely. So to avoid that need to act is why I believe mixing asset classes uh, around a logical framework is important. Just mixing for the heck of it also has uh, no meaning. It has to be mixed uh, with with some you know logic, which is a personal, uh, uh, which is a personal uh, risk profile, and uh, some rules of markets and investing that you believe in.
0: Sure. Let's go a little bit back, Uh, Kalpain. uh I remember once you talking about how uh, you missed an opportunity in 2008 crisis. If I'm not wrong. Uh, sorry about that. If it's wrong, uh, you know. Any experiences during such period has, uh, you know, helped you understand the importance of asset allocation much more than anything else?
1: Yeah, so I'll tell you, see 2008 was a phase where the world was uh, just going topsy-turvy, world markets basically. And uh, stock prices were falling like nine wins and I think from all uh, time highs of 2007, then, uh, we had between 50 to 70% correction in stock prices and um, equity as an asset class. Now after the first um, 30% correction, you feel tempted that because we, we we all have anchoring biases that okay, the market was at 100, now it's down to 70, so it's a good time to invest. So you add, uh, you know, at 70, you add some money. Then it goes down by another 10, you add some more money. It goes down by another 10, by that time, you lose both. You lose money also, you have nothing left to invest and you lose courage also. Because at that point, you feel that um, I think maybe this is the wrong decision let me now take my money out so this is classic uh, behavior generally when uh, markets are very volatile we are not able to um, uh, manage uh, such sharp moves now imagine if there there is an asset allocation fund uh, which actively uh, balances portfolio Uh, let let me put it a bit different you know you you will always hear that invest more when there is blood on the street but um, many times we don't realize that when there is blood on the street it could be our blood also and uh, and, you know, where will you get that new money to invest when prices are much lower? Now that will only happen when you have taken some uh, safe asset, uh, you know, when the markets were at peak, peak or rising. So, so you need to create those cushions in your portfolio and, and the best products which do that are, uh, you know, active asset allocation funds or even static uh, asset allocation funds because they have a minimum amount of the conservative asset class, which can be put to work. Whenever uh, sharp corrections happen, so if uh, a similar period like 2008 were to happen, which happened in 2020 when markets fell by 40%, uh, my uh, dynamic asset allocation fund, which had uh, you know almost uh, 70% in uh, debt, cash, arbitrage, put that money back to work. It, it did not put the entire 70 to work. It moved from 70, uh, it, it moved its equity asset allocation from 30 all the way up to 80. Uh, which left to myself, I may not have had the courage to take that decision. But here a rules-based asset allocation uh, science automated my behavior, uh, automated the right behavior that I should have brought to the table. And and the other point is the the value of asset allocation is uh, uh, appreciated only when there are very sharp corrections like this. So now, let's say between 2008 to 2020, there would have been 12 years of no such sharp movements. I mean such period asset allocation will make you feel that okay you know it's the, your, your portfolio is not running as fast as the rest of the market. So it is not an easy choice to make but it is an important choice to make. I
0: understand. You talked about hybrid funds uh, you know could you give a breakup of your allocation in the uh, you know hybrid funds? Uh, no approximately you know is it uh, a highly aggressive portfolio or is a cons- conservative uh, portfolio?
1: So, like i said i have uh, i have around 24 uh, percent in hybrid funds uh, yeah. uh, over the last months, and the breakup of this is broadly equal between uh, dynamic asset allocation fund and dsp uh, equity savings fund uh, so the dynamic asset allocation fund will um, actively shift its equity exposure higher or lower Uh, depending on uh, valuations being uh, uh, lower or higher, right? It's a counter cyclical valuation driven model. So the equity exposure uh, can go as high as 90, can go as low as uh, 10 or 20. Uh, Currently it is at um, around 50 to 60, somewhere in the middle. So it will uh, automatically transition depending on how uh, uh, prices and profits and valuations change. The equity savings one, uh, it has its equity exposure capped around 40 to 50, it will not cross that number, so that's more a static to allocation. So these are the two hybrid funds that I have in my portfolio.
0: And uh, uh, the whole investment, the whole portfolio is into mutual funds, uh, Kalpin, because last time I read the portfolio series, uh, it says that it's uh, entirely in the mutual funds, most of it. So the same continues?
1: Yeah. So, barring uh, barring maybe five percent, uh, which is in sovereign gold bonds, uh, everything is in uh, mutual funds. Uh, I, I may have a very small amount in some old stocks purchased in the 2008 uh, cycle, which I have not been able to exit. But otherwise, everything is in mutual funds.
0: Um, also, last time, uh, you know, when you spoke about gold exposure, you also talked about investing in the gold mining fund. Could you also yes. talk a little bit about that? Yeah,
1: yeah so I, I highlighted that uh, I have uh, around 17% in international funds um, of esp uh, Half of that uh, is in gold mining fund. So, that takes care of uh, my gold exposure along with the sovereign gold bonds. So, so that's how I have uh, played gold through a combination of gold bonds and uh, gold mining fund. And today, incidentally, uh, we have just launched our gold uh, fund, so I'll start using that as well.
0: Wow, nice! So, uh, talking about real estate, uh, there's always been a debate between owning a house and rent- renting a house. Uh, what's your view on that, and what's your exposure to real estate in your portfolio? Uh,
1: I, I so I um, have in, in twenty one I but it is my my uh, home, you uh, know, almost for last uh, 14 years, uh, I was living in a rented house and uh, ideally, know, now that I've moved to my own home, I, I do feel that it is a good decision to own a home. Uh, because? So I uh, no, I've just shifted to my new home around a year and a half back. Uh, but uh, all through, you know, before that, I was living in a rented house because the city that i live in mumbai is a very expensive city rental yields are you know just around two percent when i uh, invest capital in a debt fund uh, generally bond yields are seven to eight percent in india Uh, if i invest in an equity fund return on equity as an asset class is between 20 to 14 percent. so mathematically i was never able to consign myself to think of real estate as an investment Um, i still uh, may not uh, you know think about real estate as an investment For uh, reasons like, uh, uh, you know, highly priced, uh, very expensive, has large amount of uh, cash component, uh, has uh, challenges like uh, uh, liquidity issues, you don't get to sell it the moment you want it. I had a very small home in a suburb in Mumbai, it took me almost 15 months to sell it. Um, uh, You know, whereas uh, in financial assets, uh, I I can just press a button and uh, get out. So, personally, I am more inclined to to be in um, uh, transparent asset classes uh, from an investment point of view. Uh, Of course, uh, uh, if if real estate prices become so attractive that they become a more meaningful asset class, I will always be open to it. But generally, I have seen in a city like Mumbai and most cities of uh, India, real estate prices have been much higher than what they deserve to be. They've been higher than many more developed uh, cities of the world. And uh, if you look at uh, very long-term returns, uh, um, a lot of real estate uh, uh, you know, projects may not have delivered more than fixed income returns also. After you adjust for tax, uh, illiquidity, uh, transaction costs, uh, stamp duty, legal costs, maintenance costs, and all of that.
0: You said you waited for a long time before buying a house. And is there uh, any specific yeah. target you set for yourself that, okay, only if I reach so much, uh, you know, uh, amount I would go for a house only if I could effort as a so, much, so and so percentage of a total value of the home I would go for it. Are there any conditions or are there any targets that you set for yourself before buying a home or uh, how, how did you come to a decision of buying a house after a long time?
1: Okay. So I, I think uh, let me tell you the you know I've been looking for a house for 15 years and uh, whenever I would get... Time, uh, how many
0: I'm years? Kalbe?
1: 15 years, 2009 okay. 2009- Eight onwards and uh, I'll give you a a real life uh, incidence. In 2000, uh, I think 10 or 11 is the first time I went to US and uh, before I left for uh, US, I was about to finalize a a home uh, here in Mumbai, in Ville and it was uh, being negotiated at around 2.5 crores. So I wanted to bring it down to uh, 2.35 and uh, the seller wanted to keep it at 2.5. So I said let me go to US, Uh, I'll be back in two weeks and then we will finalize the dig somewhere in between. Uh, And this was just a 900 square feet uh, carpet uh, flat in Mumbai with with a very old 40 year old building, no other facilities and stuff like that. And in those days even 2.4 was a very high amount for me. Uh, When I went to US, I I went to Philadelphia, I lived lived with my cousin there. He lived in a 6,000 square feet home uh, for which he had paid only 3 crores. And that is when I realized that, uh, you know, I'll be blocking a lot of capital which will not be productive. The only advantage is that uh, I will live in my own home. So that's when I thought that I I would rather wait and, you know, wait either for a better home or a better price. Now, over time, a better price did not come uh, at all. And uh, all through... Uh, these uh, twelve years, I continue to use my savings and invest uh, uh, in in markets or in equity funds or debt funds, which compounded at um, a reasonable rate of twelve to fifteen percent. And then, when COVID happened, is and then you know those eighteen months uh, living uh, in your home, in your small room, uh, all the time doing video calls, is when I realized that uh, I think I need a better house. So let me restart my hunt again, and and very randomly accidentally one home which i had earlier liked a lot two three years back that came up for sale so uh, and then after covid you know i also know that you also know that market really went through the roof it almost doubled then i felt that now equity looks um, you know slightly overpriced i have been wanting a home a good home is coming up so i didn't use any maths that time i, I have been waiting for it it, you know, and over these 10-12 years, I never liked something uh, in my first choice. They say, right, that when you enter a home, if you feel the vibes, you go for it. So, this happened after a long period of time. It coincided with more or less uh, a very euphoric uh, equity market where I wanted to anyways book some profits and move to fixed income. Fixed income interest rates were at all time low of 3 and a 4%. So, I was wondering that now financial assets are not making sense. I anyways need a home. Uh, it will give me... Uh, more emotional joy of having a home of my own and this was a bigger house so that's how I decided. So there's no scientific method to this but it was a culmination of two things, the desire to own a home for very long, uh, real estate prices, uh, you know, cooling off a bit after COVID or during COVID and um, equity market prices being uh, more expensive than what I felt they deserve to be and hence uh, it was again more um, a rationalizing equity at that point
0: in time. Uh, Is there any loan component uh, in your, uh, you know, if if you could share so, uh, you know, for for purchasing your uh, home?
1: No, I, like I said, one of the driver was uh, booking profits uh, and uh, hence I used those uh, profits to buy the house and hence I did not uh, uh, take a loan.
0: Okay, do you think... Yeah.
1: Again, like just one more point is the you know see uh, at that point in time after COVID uh, interest rates had come down very sharply. So the idea again is see here is where I, I just blend some learnings and you know advantages of being in markets uh, uh, to to take this decision because interest rates were so low. I felt it does not one I didn't need, need money. So when I don't need money, generally I am a very very conservative investor. I will not um, you know take leverage or loans. Uh, Even though I know that my future cash flows or even current assets can take care of that. But uh, the bias is to, uh, you know, sleep peacefully at night and hence no leverage. Number one. Uh, Number two... uh, Do you
0: suggest uh, that? So sorry to interrupt you.
1: Sorry, say that again?
0: Do you suggest that to other uh, individual investors as well?
1: No. See, uh, every individual's uh, nuances are very different. So many times uh, I am very cautious in making recommendations because my nuances are very different than yours. Um, so, for someone uh, who uh, is at very early stage of asset accumulation and um, uh, does not uh, have, uh, you know, a lot of assets uh, and you have no choice, you need to have a home of your own and you need a loan and you also, uh, the, the tax benefits that accrue to you are a bit more material in your overall uh, scheme of things, then a loan uh, does make sense. Uh, but in my case, uh, I didn't want to go for a tax benefit. I wanted to book profits on another asset class and interest rates were low. So my, Feeling was that tomorrow the interest rate cycle turns, which it definitely will at some point. The the EMI components will again you know rise a lot. So uh, and then my bond fund uh, you know capital was earning four percent return. So why should I take a loan which was at six percent, seven percent, or tomorrow will go to eight or nine percent? So it was negative carry, and which is why I thought of not taking a loan. Plus I generally don't like paperwork. Um, uh, I'm a bit lazy uh, with those things. So so I went with the choice of. I was using my own capital.
0: Did you ever f- face the pressure of uh, buying a home in your whole career from your family or from your friends?
1: Uh, see, I rarely react to external pressures um, uh, because that that discipline is there that I will you to do what you can afford to do and what is uh, sensible to do. Um, there was always an expectation from parents and from my wife that um, uh, you know, we, we live in a bigger house, uh, we were earlier mm-hmm. in a suburb called live in a very small home. And and that um, desire was always there. Actually, in in, in in 2001, when my wife first came to meet me before we got married, uh, I just told her that, you know, while we live in a very small home here, but my desire is to move to a bigger home closer to where you were living. Uh, this was a promise I made in 2001. I fulfilled that later, nine years later. So, what I did is first, I moved uh, closer um, to to Villeparla in a bigger home, but via rent. So, I moved to a rented house. And um, I'm very grateful or fortunate that uh, there was no undue pressure that we have to take this decision. Um, uh, Because, you know, uh, today, if you can get a good home on rent, and rental leads are one, one and a half percent in Mumbai. Um, that also is a very sensible choice to make and I, I took that choice for, for a long period of time. And My family was always supportive of that.
0: Sure. And coming back to the asset allocation, Alpine, uh, more or less it has remained the same when compared to the last year. Uh, because I'm just looking at uh, your allocation in the last year, it has been the same.
1: So like I said, during the year, um, uh, international stocks had come down. So I've added a little bit there and um, uh, actually, uh, my international component would be three percent half. Uh, let me not confuse you with micro numbers. Broadly, it will be the same because if you look at it, overall markets have been flattish in the last uh, one year, right. So there is no material movement which has happened which necess- which merits any rebalancing. So at the margin, I would have uh, moved two three percent more to international or two three percent more to um, asset, uh, to hybrid funds. Um, and we uh, a little bit from equity. Sure.
0: And when it comes to exposure to the debt funds, um, how is it? Is it laddering or is it uh, you know, do you keep it simple? Uh, do you put across uh, so many uh, funds, duration, credit, etc.? What's your approach in debt fund investment?
1: Okay. So I had only two funds in my um, uh, debt asset allocation. Um, they were uh, DSP Short-Term Fund and uh, DSP Savings Fund. Both these funds uh, were running portfolio maturity around one year. On an average, the weighted average maturity was one year. So, there's um, no duration
0: because,
1: this so, so, there was no duration also because uh, the interest rates were very low. So, it did not make sense to have duration. But having said that, as of today, uh, my portfolio... The, the, The short term fund itself has adjusted its duration from one year closer to three years because the interest rate cycle has changed rates have moved up very sharply so it it is more attractive now to be in uh, medium tenor bonds also so so, so that is the beauty of an actively managed uh, debt fund that is what i wanted to bring out that the dsp short term fund in low interest rate cycles goes to to, uh, as low as one year portfolio maturity Uh, when interest rates rise uh, it will go up to the other extreme boundary which is three years of maturity so partly that takes care of active management. And in uh, this year when I made my investments in debt, uh, I put uh, uh, around 10% into our strategic bond fund, which is a long duration fund or an actively managed debt fund. So all through the last two years, my exposure was more um, in uh, lower duration uh, strategies. Uh, this year in uh, February when I made my investment, I started adding uh, actively managed bond funds which can buy, uh, which can have uh, long duration tenure also because uh, I have a very simple uh, hack or uh, thumb rule that when interest rates in India are in the range of 5-6%, uh, to 6%, the 10-year bond yields, uh, put, uh, you know, I should run very low maturity because interest rates don't last there for too long. And when interest rates go closer to 8%, I will go and buy long duration or uh, actively manage bond funds. So I, yeah, these are just two extreme boundaries around which I decide long duration or short duration. So this is the first time in the last two months we've seen interest rates come closer to the higher side of uh, the range. I've gradually started adding long duration uh, part to the portfolio.
0: How would your exposure to the equity funds? Do you Do you stick to the large and mid cap or do you invest in small cap as well?
1: Mm, okay. See, in equity funds, my investing is not uh, market cap driven. Uh, My investing is, uh, uh, you know, style driven. So, basically, there are two uh, routes to heaven. One is, uh, you know, uh, high quality companies uh, who have very uh, dominant growth, so quality and growth. And the second style is uh, reasonable quality companies, uh, okay to have uh, slightly lesser growth, but valuations are supportive. So, these are the two broad uh, templates through which I invest. And uh, as of today, uh, in my uh, equity component, so my equity component is, uh, like I said, 39% or something like that, Uh, in that component, the largest weight is uh, 32% of that is the SP value fund. uh, Because it has a very interesting nuance, one third of that portfolio also goes globally. So it's straight away solves for my global investing also in a more tax efficient way. And the India slice, the 70% India slice. Uh, is a bit unique. Uh, It has no banks or lenders in it. So, it stands out from uh, most of the other funds I invest in. And um, uh, it it is highly, you know, valuation-respecting. So, one-third of the portfolio. So, gradually over the last uh, two years, I have kept adding here because value as a style was underperforming for last 10 years. So, I have gradually increased exposure. So, 32% is there. And another 33% is in DSP Flexicap fund. Um, uh, which is uh, diversified across uh, market caps and uh, is more quality and uh, growth oriented. And then I have DSP small cap which I invest only through SIPs or I would invest whenever there is a 15-20% sharp correction in the small cap category. So normally small mid cap my bias is to invest uh, in, in uh, sharp corrections or uh, using SIP uh, as a route. So every month there is an SIP which goes in my small cap fund and uh, my international fund. But my two dominant buckets are uh, DSP value and DSP taxing
0: You are in the asset management industry and day in and day out lo- you look at portfolios, you know, what's happening to the market etc. Have you ever considered taking a financial advice from an advisor?
1: I am uh, in the asset management industry where my job uh, entails talking to Some of the great uh, advisors every day because, uh, you know, one part of my role is also talk to them and, uh, you know, what are they doing, what are they thinking. So, I'll be honest, there are a couple of uh, veteran uh, distributors or advisors who also have to some extent uh, shaped my thinking uh, and uh, helped me in terms of, you know, forming my opinions also. But, uh, 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 final decision uh, on how to invest is mine.
0: And um, any thoughts about maybe in one word, one strategy that has really worked for your portfolio in the last one year and one that hasn't in the one year?
1: Yeah. So I just put it on my uh, WhatsApp profile two days back. My, uh, uh, see, uh, almost the whole year was muted right because uh, bonds earned a return of around three and a half four percent starting from a low interest rate regime. And equity markets have been flatish, just around uh, between minus two to two percent, depending on which index you take. So aggregate uh, market uh, asset class returns could have been flat, but I let's say my returns would be around two and a half three percent overall in the last uh, one year. Uh, What did relatively better was uh, one part of my uh, global portfolio, which is our energy fund, and what did the worst was uh, another part of my global portfolio which is World Mining Fund that was down some 3-4%. So uh, these were the two extreme uh, uh, parts of my portfolio. But in terms of my dominant rate, what did well for me was uh, our uh, equity savings fund, which uh, earned around four and a half five percent return in the last one year, uh, with only 40% equity exposure. So uh, the style of value investing there worked for me in the equity component, and the balance 60% is um, more fixed income and arbitrage. Uh, which uh, protected from any sharp volatility, and that fund also gives me some exposure to REITs and index uh, indirectly. Around seven percent of the fund is in yields and index, so that portfolio was more uh, uh, you know robust in the last quarter. Yeah. The equity savings fund.
0: And percentage allocation to your own schemes.
1: Sorry, again yeah.
0: Percentage allocation to your own schemes uh, in DSP.
1: Oh. So, in my entire portfolio right now, I think uh, around uh, 85% would be to my own schemes because some 15% would be with, uh, you know, old funds that I would have worked for the last, uh, you know, 15 years before I joined ASP. But in the last session, 100% goes to ASP funds. Sure.
0: And uh, you said that
1: I have worked, I started my career in ICICI I then worked in Bidla and IDFC. So, I have some old investments which are there. And generally, I don't redeem unless... Uh, there is a reason to redeem. So, that that component has now become small like 10 to 15% but incrementally 100% is TSP.
0: Maybe yeah. a quick, uh, you know, few questions uh, which you can answer uh, in, a, in a one word and, you know, what's your uh, provision for the emergency fund uh, and what do you, how do you go about it?
1: In my portfolio has uh, 25% in fixed income which can be liquidated at uh, 24 hour notice. So, that takes care of my uh, emergency provisional, automatically.
0: And last time you said that your spouse insist that you take all the financial decisions uh, and uh, how do you involve your spouse in family finances now? How has it changed?
1: Uh, so, uh, once every few months she will tell me that this weekend you we need to sit, you need to spend time with me and take me through your investing and show me portfolio and all that, but that weekend never comes. So I'm still waiting for that weekend.
0: <laughs> when did you uh, take a last vacation?
1: So uh, last uh, uh, last fifteen years I've taken two vacations. One was uh, in Hong Kong where my sister lives. So I went there, and uh, uh, just over the weekend I met. Uh, so once in a year we do a boys trip. Some of our uh, some of my you know friends uh, we go to the hills in the north for two or three days, so this weekend I was in Kasoli for just around, uh, this time it was a short trip of one and a half, two days. So we do it once a year, but after COVID, this was the first time. So in 15 days, I've had two vacations. So maybe now time to go back to work. Uh,
0: We cannot deny that health is wealth. So what do you do for your health every day?
1: I um, I, uh, walk or I do yoga. These are my two uh, alternating uh, health uh, uh, you know regimens. so on some days I walk, on some days I uh, do yoga, I go to a teacher and uh, uh, some days if I get lucky uh, or more disciplined I do both so these are the two things that I follow.
0: Last question Kalpin, again on portfolio, uh, how do you describe your portfolio as uh, simple, medium or you know complex?
1: I would say conservative.
0: Sure. That's all for now in this episode, listeners. If you have any queries or suggestions, you can reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at satyasuntanam. S-A-T-Y-A-S-O-N-T-A-N-A-M. Or you can also write to us at, mintmoney at livemint.com. Bye-bye.